0: Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Health Matters. Well, on the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Professor Claudine Storbeck, Director of the Vitz Centre for Deaf Studies, who six years ago launched the High Hopes Early Intervention Programme. And this was due to the lack of support at that stage for families and their deaf infants in South Africa. David Bellairs will be on the line, and he's the Cape Town Cycle Tour Trust Marketing and Sponsorship Director. And with the Cape Argus Pick and Pay Cycle Tour coming up not too long away, I thought I'd chat with David about the Trust's brand new initiative for the Cycle Tour this year, which is their collaboration with the Quebeca organization. And then it's off to London to catch up with Matt silver Valence, and he's a seriously intrepid aviator. Well, he'll be attempting to fly, in inverted commas, from Robben Island to the mainland of Cape Town using only a cluster of helium-filled party balloons. And this is all in an, in an attempt to raise 10 million rand towards the building of the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital in Gauteng. Well, and after all that excitement, it's time for a relaxing yoga retreat in the KwaZulu-Natal Midlands, and I'll be chatting with yoga alliance certified instructor Chantel Thorne about that. And just a reminder that if you need any information regarding the show this evening, any contact details or anything else you'd like to know, you can find it on Facebook. You just go to Health Matters on SAFM. But if you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Health
1: Matters with Karen Key.
0: Well, South Africa is the only country on the African continent to have a home-based, early intervention service for families with deaf children. Now these services are offered free of charge to all families that have a child identified with a hearing loss. And if you haven't heard of them before this amazing organisation is called High Hopes and it was founded six years ago in response to the lack of support for families and their deaf infants. Professor Claudine Storback joins me now and she's Director of the Vitz Centre for Deaf Studies. Claudine, good evening, welcome to the show. Hi Karne, thank you very much. So you're offering a remarkable service and this at the moment is in was it in Natal and the Western Cape, but I'm sure you're wanting to expand this.
2: That's correct. We launched that in Khauteng six years ago because I'm based at Wits University. I um, mean, it grew from there. So currently we're in a third of the country, but there's such great need everywhere else. So we, we're having to upscale. And so that's our five to 10-year plan. Now,
0: till, just tell the listeners exactly what it is you offer because it's not just one thing. You you, you train people to help the parents. Just explain how your service actually works. Okay. So, so firstly
2: for the public out there and for families that are worried that their child might have a hearing loss or families whose babies do have some form of hearing loss, we offer a free home-based intervention program. So that means as soon as your baba is identified as deaf and you let us know, you phone us, um, we will come to your home um, no matter where you live in those three provinces, the Western Cape, Gauteng and KZN. And um, an early interventionist whom we've trained comes into your home and spends about an hour to an hour and a half with you every two weeks we we select them to, to match you culturally and linguistically, so you'll be talking to them in your home language. Um, and so the, the support is given to the families um, in a home language, um, and we answer their questions, we give them information. But in addition to that, we've actually trained these early interventionists from scratch because it's a brand new field. And so we've trained about 150 people in those three provinces to do the support.
0: And those are called parent advisors. That's right. Advisors. But you, you also have deaf mentors, which I think is quite a remarkable program. Yes. Um, usually when, when a family has a
2: child with a hearing loss, they never really meet other deaf people. So the family never gets to meet successful, happy deaf people, whether they sign or speak, to see the career path, the life path that their little children are going to take. So we have a parallel program with our parent advisors called Deaf Mentors and they go into the home at a different time for about an hour every second week, and they either teach the family how to do sign language and talk to them about deaf culture, or if the family says they want to learn to speak, we will then connect them with a speaking deaf person, um, an oral deaf person, so that they can see what the choices are and how these people then live their lives.
0: Now I, I've done an interview on, on hearing loss in infants last year and one of the things that came up was the fact that in overseas in a lot of countries they actually test the babies when they're born. Here it's not done as a routine, matter of routine here. Um, what should parents be looking out for? Because I'm, I'm assuming that the earlier you get to that baby, the better for the baby in the long run.
2: Yes, the earlier the better and research says by six months of age, we should be worrying already. So, you know, zero to six months is essential. You know, when a mother has a gut feeling that something is wrong, she must follow her gut. Even if the pediatrician or the doctor or the nurse tells her not to worry, um, even if they say to her, look, come back. When a mother has a gut feeling that there's something wrong, follow up. Meaning the cooing might be slightly different. They might respond to some sounds and not to others. they, they they just respond differently to sound. Sometimes they seem to be more visual, and um, mothers just know. So you don't have to wait until a child is learning the first word or the second word. We should be able to tell in the first few months if a child is, you know, just cooing differently, responding differently to language and communication.
0: Now, there are different types of hearing loss in infants, and some can be helped surgically, but others can't. Can you just talk us through the different types?
2: Sure. We work with families with children with both profound hearing losses all the way down to a mild, moderate hearing loss. And those are kiddies that, you know, can, can survive pretty easily within a mainstream school with hearing aids. Um, so that would be, you know, a very mild hearing loss is like an older person or just switching your TV really low, So you can hear pretty much most things. But we forget that even with a mild hearing loss, there's distortion in the frequency they do battle to hear certain things and miss out on a lot of language. And then your profound hearing loss kids are the kids that almost can hear nothing. Um, and those are the kiddies that you know, either go with sign language or cochlear implants. But parents often think that only the sign language kiddies or the profound kiddies need high hopes. And we are finding that children with only one ear, a unilateral hearing loss, even a mild, moderate hearing loss, those children have a lot of language delays if they don't get early intervention.
0: So what you, you've said the parents, the mother and the gut feeling and all that sort of yeah. thing. what Should we should we not be lobbying almost for something to be done in the hospitals when these babies are being born?
1: Yeah,
2: Higher Hopes has been lobbying for quite a while, and we've established another organization called EHDR, EDI. Um, my colleague at the University of Pretoria that you spoke to last year and myself have started mm. this organization. Um, the Department of Health is aware of it, and they, they are starting to look at this because they realize that it's a problem. Um, but, you know, finances are, are, are tight, and I think it's priorities. You know, hearing loss is invisible. Um, it's not seen as um, disabling when you don't see it. So mm. people focus more on your, your physical disabilities. But the more and more we lobby governments and tell them that language itself is the key, the, the foundation of life, um, and that without that, children grow up severely disabled. They are focusing on that. And so our aim is to become you know, comparable to the international standards here.
0: Now, it's all very well, Claudine, doing the work that you do at an early age, but now the child is growing up and now they have to go to school. And from some information I was reading on your website, it says that there are 43 schools for the deaf here in South Africa, but the majority of the teachers are not adequately equipped to intervene effectively.
2: Yeah, that that, that is the case. Very sad. But we, we are making progress. So we have teacher training programs the Centre for Deaf Studies, offers teacher training programs to teachers at these schools. Um, but no matter how well-equipped teachers are, whether they are signing, whether they're speaking, whether they're the best teachers of the deaf in the world, if a child doesn't come to school with the language foundations in place, so they have a first language and a mother tongue, whether they're they able to actually communicate with the parents. Because the majority of kiddies with hearing losses don't actually bond and connect to their parents because there's this language barrier. Um, So no matter what we do at a later stage, if we're not able to actually put that language in place and help parents build this bond with their child, um, we're actually wasting resources. So the Center for deaf Studies thought, if we're focusing on the training of teachers and we then work with deaf babies and families, we're kind of fighting this war from both sides.
0: Because also on your website, rather frighteningly, it was another statistic was that about 66% of deaf persons in South Africa are functionally illiterate.
2: Yes, and that is a direct relation to the fact that they are growing up without a mother tongue. Um, David spoke about it last time and all the research says that in the first three years is a critical period for language development. But current research is saying it's their first year and the first six months are critical. And that's very often when we're not noticing it or when a mother tells a doctor, I think she might not be hearing this. And the doctor say, look, let's you know, come back when she's older. Um, so it's essential for mothers to follow their gut and to follow this up because it is a very debilitating disability.
0: So, it, you know, it's a case of if you think you, what you're saying is right, push for it, don't leave it.
2: Push for it. We've had many, many of our moms come back much later and saying, if only I'd said to the doctor at the time, test it anyway you know, test our child's hearing anyway, yes.
0: How are these children tested? I think that's another thing that parents aren't quite sure about. How yeah. how do you test for this?
2: At any clinic and hospital where they offer it, it's a tiny probe that they come and put in the child's ear, usually on day two because day one still a little bit of um, liquid in the child's ear. But they could do it a couple of hours after birth um, and ideally before the child is discharged. They will put a tiny probe, it's an OAE, auto-acoustic emission, a little probe goes in the ear, sends off a... An emissions through to the cochlea, if a, a sound comes back, the child has not got a hearing loss. If it doesn't, the child has a hearing loss. Um, but even if the child passes, the road to health card actually has language um, milestones. So every time you go to the nurse, every time you go for an, um, an injection, an inoculation, they should be asking you questions about how your child is communicating. Um, is she babbling? Is she starting to you know, jabber? Is she starting to say a couple of words? And moms just need to be aware of those
0: milestones. The other side of it as well is, you know, don't look at your sister's child or your neighbor's child and think, well, my child hasn't quite got there. Some children just move at a different pace. So there's no cause for panic is what I'm trying to say here. No, just just no, be aware. There's
2: a difference between a mom's gut and mm. a mom's worry. Now, I think all moms have angst and we all worry. But when you get that gut feeling it's a very, very firm feeling that you know that there's something wrong. But no, please don't worry. Kids
0: are different. Boys and girls are different. First and second children are different. So don't panic, just be aware. Yes. The other thing as well, Claudine, that's rather, it's actually sad, is that 70% of deaf people are unemployed as well. Is that also relating back to this early stage? Sadly, yes, it is. Because if you don't then leave school with uh,
2: an adequate reading level, um, with a really low matric or, you know, a a non-matric then you really are unemployable and yet deaf people are um totally able to do anything hearing people can do so there, it is a total myth that we believe that sign language is not an equal language it's a total myth that deaf people are more concrete bound but they do need to be given equal access to education
0: and that's one of the things with the i-11 official languages there was a time i remember when there were people were pushing for sign language to be included to be the 12th and it hasn't yet uh, we keep pushing, and,
2: and DeafSA, which is the national organisation for the Deaf, does a remarkable job pushing. Um, as far as I know, you know we are making progress. We have a Deaf member of Parliament, um, Wilma, in, in in government, and so she's also pushing. But you know the, the, the cogs of the wheel go slowly, so we await that. But it's you know High Hopes. We're not going to wait. We're going to push for the, the as much progress as we can in the
0: first few years anyway. I have to ask you this very difficult question, and it's one of those horrible questions that I always tend to ask. How do you fund High Hopes?
2: many hours of writing proposals. Okay, <laughs> sorry. is you know, on knees as I pray. <laughs> Networking, talking to parents and of course all these, so far we've seen 850 be- parents and their deaf babies. Wow. So they are very often really good networkers and will tell us about um, connections. They will actually sometimes become donors now that they're not receiving the free service anymore. And you really, you wait for, for, for um, companies to say, look, you know, we need some BEE points, we need a um a project we have people doing events for us cycle races but it is a huge challenge because it's a free service Mm. and the reason why high hopes offers this for free is because internationally early intervention for child with any disability at this early intervention stage is free and if you have a child with a hearing loss you're paying for hearing aids you're paying for speech therapy audiology you're traveling to and from the clinic there are so many additional costs that these families have to cover that I believe it is a human right that we give them the service that they deserve because it's not their fault that they have this additional challenge in their family.
0: Now, this service that High Hopes offers, and that that is across the board, so it's any race, gender, age, uh, income, whatever, you are there for everybody. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we're there for both public and private health, black and white, like you say, rich and poor. And the reason we do that is because in South Africa, no matter how rich you are, money cannot buy you the support because there is no other support. So if you're in public health, you'll get access to your hearing aid or cochlear implant via the public system or privately via that system. But early intervention, which then takes it a step further, is not available to anyone. So we provide it free to everyone.
0: And if people are wanting to reach you, Claudine, at your website, Hopes, it's hihopes.co.za, is that the best way to reach you and find out all the contact details?
2: That's the best way to reach us. You've got an email and contact us on the website. We also have a, a forum where you can post questions to us and we can send you answers, so we're open to, you know, conversations and questions. And then just, you know, watch watch our Facebook, you know, follow us on Twitter. We keep sending information around on conferences and what we're doing. Um, We're very excited also that we, we do research. So every one of our babies over the past, you know, six and a half years, we collect the data. And so what we're currently busy doing is analyzing the five years of data. It's longitudinal data in the deaf world is scarce. And I think it's the first of its kind in Africa. So we're busy analyzing the data so we can actually publish it. So we're not just doing an NGO type of wonderful service, but we're actually also trying to show what we're doing, um, be it positive or negative, we'll we share it.
0: Well, well done. I think it's a wonderful organisation that you have founded uh, through your um, through Vits through University, through the Vits Centre for Deaf Studies, and long may your work continue. And hopefully people listening, listening out there who are wondering what charity to, to support for t- 2013 can uh, have a look at High Hopes. It's a very, very worthwhile organisation. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank
0: you. Professor Claudine Storbeck is the Director of the Vits Centre for Deaf Studies and founder of High Hopes. It's an early intervention home-based service for families with deaf children. Now, if you'd like to find out more about the services offered and the need for early intervention, please take a look at their website. It's www.highhopes.co.za, and that's H-I-H-O-P-E-S, highhopes.co.za. Health
1: Matters with Karen Key.
0: Well, I'm joined on the line this evening, all the way from London, by Matt Silver-Valance. And he's an ex cape Townian boy who now lives in rugby in the UK. But he's coming home, back to Cape Town, to do something I don't think any of us possibly would attempt to do. Matt, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. So, do tell the listeners what it is you're coming back to Cape Town to do.
3: Well, uh, essentially, I'm going to attach myself to 200 helium-filled party balloons, and attempt to float from Robben Island to Cape Town's mainland. How far is that? Uh, It depends on the wind direction. Uh, The the longest distance that we're transverse is about 14 kilometres and the shortest 9.
0: You're going to be, what, about 600 metres above sea level as you're floating?
3: Yeah, so we'll ascend to 600 uh, feet, in fact. There's a flight restricted zone. You can't go over 1,500 feet, so we have to keep below that, that altitude, but then the reason why we're climbing that high is there might be some reasonable-sized ships in Table Bay, so we have to climb to that altitude to to float over them, and then as we approach the shoreline, we'll descend to have a safe landing.
0: Now, not to be the bearer of sort of bad news and doom and gloom and things, but I just wanted to check whether you knew that there were seagulls that could possibly peck at the balloons, and secondly, <laughs> if they did do that, you do know there's sharks underneath in the water. Great whites, Matt. <laughs>
3: You know, you know that. Yes, okay. yes, I, I have. I, 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 as you said, I grew up in Cape Town as a surfer. Mm. So, um, but but it was quite funny over the weekend. Uh, I uh, was looking at some of the the footage of great white sharks actually leaping out of the water and catching some prey. So. Uh, Note to self, I won't be skimming the water, (laughs) I'll (laughs) be floating a fair amount above it.
0: They do tend to jump a bit, yes. Now, the people listening are thinking, what on earth are you doing this for? There has to be a good reason why you're doing this. And there is a good reason why you're doing this. Do tell.
3: Yes, I mean, the the most important thing with this whole project is to um, raise awareness and and funds for the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital, which is to be built in Gauteng the main reason why I'm so motivated to to do this project and I've been working over the last 5 years to do it now together with a, a team of more than 60 people that are involved is because I was a paramedic in the Western Cape ambulance service and and was very fortunate to have a number of interactions with uh, Red Cross Children's Hospital you know when you have those experiences where you're working with the staff of Red Cross Children's Hospital who who were always fantastic, and the, the patients that you're dropping off or, or transferring to Red Cross Children's Hospital are either very unwell and or very scared. And it was a, it was a wonderful experience for me to be able to, um, to, you know, work with Red Cross Children's Hospital in that way. So when I heard about the funds needing to be raised for the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital in, in Johannesburg, it, it uh, was a very obvious thing for me to do.
0: You're hoping to raise 10 million rand for for this?
3: Yes, which which seems like a a lot, and it is a lot. It is just (laughs) a bit, yes. I I, I really do need the the public's help, but I think it, it, it seems a lot until, I guess, over the last couple of years, every single person that I've interacted with has been more than willing to donate funds, and this has been overseas fundraising as well, for a number of reasons, you know, there's, there's a lot of solidarity globally for Nelson Mandela and what he's done for South Africa. And I think people around the world appreciate what he's done as a statesman. His actions and uh, example has has resonated across the world. I think everybody knows that. Many people have had wonderful experiences with South Africa and South Africans as well. And ultimately, everybody that I've interacted with and that people I'm working with have interacted with are more than happy to donate for Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. They just, you know, kind of life gets away with you. And there's urgent things like you must go and see the Tarantino movie or you need to buy your new pair of Nike shoes or whatever it is. And this is just an event to kind of stop people for five minutes so that they'll go, no, actually it's really important that I donate to the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital and invest back into South Africa for for all the children in South Africa. So we're hoping that this event will just kind of stop people for five minutes, either make a donation, a text donation, or a donation online and all of that kind of goodwill will contribute to the 10 million.
0: You've got some amazing support though. I mean, I mean, you've got international rugby players from around the world who are actually coming to the party on this.
3: It was incredible. One of the absolute highlights of this project was, was meeting Jean de Villiers. <laughs> <laughs> he really he took the mick out of me quite a bit because um, he was laughing a lot because he he confirmed, so you're doing this in 2013 and you're the 13th person that's doing it. And, he, you know, so he was he was laughing a lot at that. But, uh, no, he's he so gracious. And, and he uh, agreed in September of last year to donate his inaugural rugby championship uh, Springbok captain's jersey. And then on the back of that, David Pocock from Australia donated his jersey. And the entire All Black squad uh, of 2012 signed their jersey in solidarity. And, and we're actually now in contact with the Six Nations teams, and we've had a number of them really confirm in principle that they're, they're uh, very happy and willing to donate their, their captain's jersey. So our goal here is in fact to collect the, the ten captain's jerseys uh, from around the world of the, of the ten major rugby-playing nations, which as far as we know will be the first time that's ever been done and that will be raffled off to collect additional funds.
0: You should do very well in that because, I mean, the world is rugby crazy, so...
3: <laughs> yep, so am I, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: mean you, should, you, you might be raffling, sort of bidding on one of them yourself? <laughs> okay. Taking uh, out a ticket uh, well, or two? Ho-
3: hopefully, hopefully it will be a bit out of my financial week, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um.
0: You've also got it's some really nice big. Spon- You've got some big companies sponsoring you as well, which is which is great news.
3: It's been a wonderful experience because not only individuals but individuals within companies have pulled their company into the projects. Um, we we had our launch press conference with Bob Skinsett uh, where we used a platform called Google Hangouts, which is a, a live video conferencing facility. Uh, and we hooked up Cape Town Johannesburg Dubai and and the UK all live and in fact during the flight we were planning to do exactly the same so people will actually be able to join us on the ride as it were from from Robin Island live with a couple of cameras pointing in different directions and uh, potentially seeing me very afraid
0: <laughs> and keeping a sharp eye out for sharks I'm sure
3: Exactly. (laughs) I'll have one camera pointing down. (laughs) But but the funny thing is we've got um, ten of the Cape long-distance swimmers swimming off first, again in solidarity, for this event. I will be landing about a couple of hundred meters short of the coastline because landing in the water is actually safer. We've got some special devices that will make it safe to land, and then they'll be kind of escorting me to the shore. So, I think I'm the sane one. They're, they're swimming in the cold water with the sharks. I'm floating above it.
0: <laughs> but, t- okay, you mentioned them, but tell me about your support team. There must be quite a big support team going across with you, though.
3: Yes, uh, there's kind of two elements to it there's the, the logistics of the actual flight, which we essentially was more or less the easy part of the event in that. Mike Howard, who's the operations manager, he's based in Dubai, and he's got a couple of Guinness Book of Records, including the Cluster Ballooning Altitude Record. So I'm following essentially his formula, his equipment, everything is being guided by Mike with all his experience, which is fantastic. Then there's the challenge of getting all the helium across to Robben Island, and Robin Island Museum have been incredible in their support. And we've also got UTI, one of the transportation companies, helping us on that element. And we're in discussions with some, I don't want to say yet, but some very exciting other ways of getting to the island, let's put it that way, which um, I don't want to say it before it happens, but if that happens, that'll be another very exciting element to the project and then there's the PR side of the campaign uh, and again we've had a lot of great support uh, City Varsity one of the media colleges in, based in Cape Town have have been incredible in and they've helped with uh, putting the promo video together filming you know they did aerial photography they helped me with uh, the journalistic approach and then um, a company called Renshield have uh, paid for our PR, and we've got a company called Positive Dialogue who have been absolutely incredible also. So uh, a lot of companies are are coming on board. I'm I'm trying to make sure that I remember everybody. Uh, The the one other thing that I think is going to be also very exciting and to do with rugby is that BMW have confirmed that they will be sponsoring three uh, BMW Experience Days for each of the rugby championship games, one against Australia, New Zealand, and, and Argentina, so they'll pick somebody up or a, a pair up, and they'll go to the BMW uh, box for the day, and you know have that great experience. So that, that's a that's a competition that's going to be around the event. And then probably the last thing to add is that we've also got international holidays that will be raffling, or, or it won't be a raffle; it will be a free entry both for Europeans to come to South Africa as well as for South Africans to go across to Europe. So we're, we're, there's, a, there's a lot of fun activity around the event in addition to the event itself.
0: Matt, how long has this taken you to put this all together? Because it's not now, it turns out, just you floating across the sharks to, from Robben Island <laughs> to Cape Town. It's this massive, I mean, it's a massive, massive undertaking. I mean, all these different elements are
1: huge.
3: And I think that's what exemplifies and has been such a pleasure of doing this project is is the teamwork involved because exactly like you say, the project has mushroomed so much and uh, there's been so many people that have been part of it, both here in the UK as well as most of the team are based in South Africa. I mean, it would have taken me about 400 years to get to the point where, where I am. I think um, the last year has been a huge kind of upramping of, of activity. It, it certainly is it's very exciting It's a bit scary. My social life is dead. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: What what has been the response from the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital? I would imagine a committee because it's not yet complete. It's due, I think, in 2014 for completion. What has been the response from them? I mean, they must be over the moon with this kind of initiative that you, you've, you, you've done here.
3: Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure um, working with them. We've been sharing emails over the weekend as well. Over the Christmas uh, period, I was in touch a lot with the CEO, uh, Bongi, and... Um, you know i I think they're probably working five times harder than me because they've got a huge amount of funds to raise for the hospital in fact i'm i'm absolutely convinced that they're working even harder than myself and i think uh, both with regards to the robin island balloon run and and the nelson mandela children's hospital the kind of global economy everybody knows what it's you know it's been like over the last five years so for all charities you know if you speak to, to, to fundraising Organisations, they found it particularly difficult, and and I guess our goal. I I know I I work in sales and marketing, so you you kind of have all these formulas as to how you're going to achieve your target. And um, if each if each person in South Africa, you know, with a population of over 50 million, each had to donate 20 rand, you'd have your hospital done. I know that's a simple equation, but. Alternatively, you could say in one in five people donated 100 rand to the hospital, and again, you would have your hospital done. And it's hard to draw comparisons about which charity is more valuable to another charity. But I guess uh, if Nelson Mandela thinks it's a good thing to have a children's hospital in Johannesburg, then <laughs> then I think it's a good thing. <laughs>
0: so when is this all taking place? I mean, I know you've got a window. It obviously, depends on the weather, but sort of from when to when is the window?
3: Well, believe it or not, April Fool's Day. Well, you know, it just gets worse, April. Matt. I mean, you know, did,
0: did John not John de Villiers not mention the fact that there was that in the equation as well? You know, twenty thirteen, the thirteenth person, first of April. You know, I'm just sort of <laughs> did, wondering he, about you now.
3: He did. Uh, they, they were they were laughing for about 15, 20 minutes. I was trying to conduct an interview, and they were all laughing. Well, at do me. you blame it was, them? It was <laughs> No, no, it was great fun talking to them. But April Fool's Day, believe it or not, is our first date. I mean, the reason April was chosen is that's the best month for the right wind conditions that we need for the flight. When we looked at the dates, we saw that April the 1st in South Africa is Family Day and April the 27th is Freedom Day. So it seemed appropriate to target the window period between those two dates. Because they affect freedom and family, so it, um, it seemed a logical choice.
0: So you would only really know on the morning of that day, whichever day it is, that you're going to be taking off that day.
3: No, we we'll have a 72-hour kind of rolling window. So ETV have agreed to to kind of be our macro weather forecasters. So they'll they'll provide macro weather forecast to say, okay, in 72 hours, it looks like the right weather conditions will be in place, and we'll literally start a countdown, 48, 24, 12 hours, and then at roughly about six hours before we think that the right weather conditions will exist, we'll all, there'll be a team of about 25 of us that'll go across to Robin Island and start madly inflating balloons. We have to be very careful, though, because just the helium... Required, which, again, has been sponsored by Afrox, which was another wonderful gesture. The helium costs about 70,000 rand. It's 250 cubic meters of of helium. uh, I'm I'm not the lightest guy. I'm 110 kilograms. And then there's the equipment, so um, that's what's required. So we can't blow up all the balloons and then change our mind. We have to get it spot on. So, as I said, ETV will provide the macro weather forecasting, and then we're working with a a company with uh, wind stations called Wind Report They've got wind stations all along the coastline of, of Table Bay as well as a wind station on um, Robben Island that will help us decide exactly when to fly. So there's, there's a number of experts involved just in that decision itself.
0: And you'll be strapped into a paragliding harness, is that right?
3: That's right. So essentially it's very easy. I'll just be sitting in a paragliding harness. There'll be a bar that's... A been specially designed by Mike and his father. Um, His father, in fact, is the design engineer for the balloons, the only successful hot air balloons to have gone around the world. So again, I'm very lucky in that I've got a great deal of experience, but they've designed a special bar that I'll be hanging from and then a bunch of balloons.
0: Right. Okay. And can people come out and watch you? I mean, how will we know that this is actually going to be happening? Can they follow? Will it be well, on Twitter uh, what, or Facebook or uh, oh, where will we find out?
3: Yeah, I've got a Facebook page which is Robin Island Balloon Run, so that's an easy one. Uh, unfortunately, on the Twitter side, the last name that I could find with balloons in it is at Balloon Bloke, so I'm at Balloon Bloke. Well, it's fair enough, <laughs> on, you are. On Twitter. Sorry?
0: <laughs> you are a balloon bloke. I mean, you know, you're going to be the bloke up there with exactly. the balloons, so, you know, it's pretty okay. Uh, <laughs>
3: No, it's all good. I, I was just amazed at how many of the names had already been taken. You know? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and
0: then also um, you can make donations. At the, you've got a webpage, it's balloonrun.com, and that's it. people can make donations at that uh, webpage.
3: That's right. So, so there's a online service on www.balloonrun.com. It's pretty easy to, to find your way, and it's like, normal internet shopping with your card most people i think are familiar with it uh, also nelson mandela children's hospital uh, just organized that we have got a sms uh, code that you can make a donation so it's um you text the word balloon to the number 40301 and each time you make each time you text that you text 20 rand And that full 20 rand will go directly to the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital.
0: So there's a lot of options where people can get involved.
3: Exactly. And, and you know, the, the, the last thing is we're still looking for companies that want to be a part of it to join our team. There's lots of additional PR that, and, and prizes that we'd like to offer in association with the event. We've already had a couple of companies phone us last week and get involved, so we, we're certainly looking for more of those. And then also, we're also looking for people with a kind of project management skills. Because there are a couple of other elements of the project that we need, still need quite a bit of help with. So, if there's any of your listeners that you know that want to become part of the team, uh, please ask them to get in touch with us because we certainly need their help.
0: And how would they do that, Matt? Via the website or?
3: Yeah, by the website. Uh, there's just a contact us section on the website. It's probably the easiest way, or or my email address is matt m a t t at balloonrun dot com. Like I said, you know the more help the more help we can get from your listeners, the the bigger and more successful we can make the project.
0: Well Matt, I'm looking very forward to following you in April um, and I wish you much success, and I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fine and fabulous, and you're going to land on the other side of the of the water perfectly safely and uh, having raised ten million, if not more, for the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital.
3: Well done. I certainly done. hope so. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: And well done on the initiative. I think it's absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy your time back in Cape Town, albeit for a
3: short while. Uh, absolutely. I certainly will do.
0: Thanks so much for chatting with us. Okay.
3: Keep well. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. Bye bye now. I was chatting with Matt Silver Valance, and he's going to be coming along to Cape Town. He's coming back home to Cape Town. And- In April, the 1st to the 27th of April is the window period that they've put aside for doing what they're calling the balloon run. He's going to be floating with the help of 200 helium balloons from Robben Island to Cape Town. And this is all in an attempt to raise 10 million rand for the building of the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital up in Gauteng. If you want more information or if you'd like to get involved, you'd like to make a donation, there's a number of things you can do. There's a website, first of all. It's www.balloonrun.com. Dot com, And if you want to keep up with Matt's planning and all the Balloon Run news, you can follow him on Twitter at Balloon Bloke or on facebook.com forward slash Robin Island Balloon Run. Now, if you'd like to make a direct donation, you can do that via SMS. There is an SMS code now. You SMS the word balloon to the number 40301. That's balloon to 40301. Or you can email Matt if you'd like to get involved. There's a number of ways. He was mentioning that he'd like still then needing people to come on board with this. You can email Matt, and his email address is Matt, that's M-A-T-T, double Double T at balloonrun.com.
1: Health Matters with Karen Key.
0: So I'm joined in the studio by Kathy Bodman. She's from a company called Professional Emergency Care.
4: Hi, Karen. It's great to be here.
0: So our first topic we're going to be looking at today is choking, both for adults and for children or babies. What is our first step when you spot somebody choking? What is the first thing we need to be doing? Obviously, remain calm.
4: Well, that's the impossible part, obviously. Someone's alive and they may be dead in a minute or two, unless you know what you're doing. So it's very simple. If somebody's choking, you want to check... Are they choking? Because sometimes they grab at their neck or their chest because they're having chest pain. So, really ask the patient, Are you choking? If they can talk to you, they're not choking. If they can cough, that's fantastic. If they can't cough, they can't talk, they're not breathing, they really have choked. The airway is closed. You need to get that patient to stand up, if at all possible, stand behind them and put your arms around their middle. So, your arms are around their waist and your fist. Forming a fist just above their stomach, uh, above their belly button, and your other hand on top of that fist, and then pull inwards and upwards quite violently. It's what we used to call the Heimlich maneuver. Now we just refer to it as an abdominal thrust. So you're going to, you've got both arms around this person. I hope you can imagine this. It's quite a violent thing. And you're pulling in and up towards their uh, chest, but you're going from the belly button in and up, in and up, in and up, violently until the object is expelled and really quite often in the first couple of thrusts the object is shot out quite dramatically so it's a case of
0: pushing in just above the belly button with your hands together making into one big fist and then you push in just above the belly button and as you push in you then raise your fists upwards so that it's an in and then an upward movement so it's
4: not two movements it's not an in and then up but that's the direction it's a scoop movement so it's in and up, in and up in one very violent, sudden movement. So we're aiming to create a massive pressure change in the chest. And if we do that right and we do that quickly, the, the chances are really good that you're going to have this object shot out of this airway very smartly and the, and the patient can then start breathing. They're normally quite um, lightheaded, maybe a bit dizzy and faint, and you may want to sit them down or lie them down for a moment. If you've done an abdominal thrust on adults or children, um, and they are recommended from a year up as soon as your baby's walking. It is really wise then to take the child or the patient to, to a hospital afterwards to have them checked up because there's a small chance that it's possible to do an abdominal injury and maybe a liver or spleen that bleeds slightly. But really, in my experience in ambulances over the last 20 years, is that it gets done all the time and there are almost no injuries, but it is extremely effective.
0: And rather that than somebody lose their life because you haven't acted quickly enough.
4: If we haven't done it, within a minute or two, the patient will lose consciousness. And that, of course, is the really scary thing. And and then the clock is ticking. Then the heart will slow and they will die. If this has happened, if you've done abdominal thrusts, you've done, say, five, six, seven, eight abdominal thrusts, and the patient becomes weak, lightheaded, they lose consciousness, lower them to the ground. Make sure somebody calls an ambulance immediately. And they need to communicate with the ambulance clearly that this is a choked patient who's not breathing, um, and we're going to start CPR. And we start CPR on the patient who is unconscious and choked. You can start immediately by looking in the mouth. Can you see the object? If you can see it, remove it carefully. If you can't see it, don't go digging for the object because the chances are really good you can push it down further. Rather, look in the mouth. If you can't see it, give two breaths or attempt two breaths and then put your hands on the chest where you would normally do CPR with your hands together in the center of the chest. Push down hard, push down fast, give 30 compressions, and then go back to the airway. Can you see the object? Can you get it out? So the the chest compression makes the same change of pressure as an abdominal thrust. So we're going to look, can we see? Can we get it out? Try and breathe twice, 30 compressions. And we're going to keep going round and round like that until the object is moved or help arrives.
0: And you continue with CPR until the help arrives, basically. That's right. So there is something you can do in this emergency.
4: It's not just something. It's it's the best thing to it's do. It's life-saving. It's absolutely life-saving. I can tell you lots of stories about people who've done it on at families and at ladies' dinners and at Christmas parties and on their own children and who've saved their lives because they knew how to do an abdominal thrust quickly. Kathy, that's for
0: adults and children over a year. What about little ones, little babies? What happens? Because, I mean, babies have a habit of putting things in their mouths.
4: Absolutely. As soon as they're mobile, they become hazardous. They can put, you know, stones, marbles, doggy doo, anything will land in the mouth. If your baby's choking, again, your baby will be blue. Your baby won't be breathing properly. You're going to turn the baby down, face down in your arms, so that the baby's head is lower than your shoulders. And then you're going to bang between the shoulder blades, They're called back slaps, and it's really you want a really hard bang on the back. You're going to give five hard back slaps. Roll the baby over, and if the object isn't out, then do five chest thrusts. You put your fingers on the chest on the in the middle of the chest just below the nipple line and you do five chest thrusts now
0: this is fingers as opposed to a fist two for a fingers, baby
4: two fingers like we would do baby CPR then we roll the baby over five back slaps roll the baby over five chest thrusts so you're going to do five back slaps five chest thrusts five back slaps rotating the baby every time until the object comes out or the baby loses consciousness if the baby loses consciousness and you haven't managed to get the object out put the baby on a table on the floor and start make sure somebody gets an ambulance and start CPR
0: Okay, so because I think some people become a little anxious about, especially if it's a baby, you know, am I going to hurt the child? Am I going to do some damage? But remember, it's not the fist this time. It's as if you're doing baby CPR. It's just two fingers. And you said just below the nipple line. Mm. And you just push. Yes. Okay. So,
4: and it's quite far in. We want to go in about four centimeters into your baby. So that sounds like an awful long way. Mm. I recommend you do this on the floor, on your haunches, so that you can be working close to the floor. So if you do drop this child in, what is a very stressful moment in your life that you will never forget you're not going to drop them far and when you're on your haunches on the ground you have a surface to work on on your thigh where you can rest the baby and turn the baby over without having a risk of dropping it.
0: I was chatting there with Kathy Bodmer she's from a company called Professional Emergency Care and if you'd like to find out more about the work that they do you can either call them on 021 or have a look at the website it's www.pec.co.za
1: Health Matters with Karen Key
0: Well, I know it's just the start of the new year, but already some of us are beginning to wish it was time to go and leave again. Well, if you're looking for a way to recharge your batteries, why not consider heading off to the beautiful KwaZulu-Natal Midlands for a weekend yoga retreat? I just relaxed just hearing that. Well, to tell us what's on offer, I'm joined now by Chantel Thorne, and she's a Yoga Alliance certified instructor. Chantel, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. Thank you. This sounds like a wonderfully relaxing weekend, just at the beginning of the year, when we're sort of starting to think, oh gosh, how many more months till the end of the year and holiday time? (laughs) You know. So let's tell me what's going to be on offer that weekend and when the weekend is.
1: Well, the weekend starts uh, first of March, so everyone's hoping to arrive that Friday evening. Then it'll be the full day Saturday. And Sunday till brunch time, and then people who stay in Durban, which is only two hours away from, from Sierra Ranch, will be able to still have some therapy booked if they need to, or, or if they live in Joburg and they need to get going, then that's also fine because it's about four hours' drive to Joburg. Um, the idea is that everyone arrives on a Friday. We'll have a little welcome and a introduction and have some dinner, and then the next day we'll start with an early morning stretch class We'll have a wholesome breakfast. Then we'll have a nice brisk walk to the river and be back for lunch. In the afternoon, people can either relax, uh, swim in the pool, lie in the sun, read a book, or they can book a panther session with some of our therapists that are available that weekend. Um, There's massage, beauty treatments, kinesiology, reflexology, reiki, energy healing, all available in that afternoon. And then we'll have an evening yoga session, uh, dinner, movie uh bed for a nice rest, which I think you'll probably need by then. And then Sunday, a nice start of yoga class, brunch, and then people are free to either take some more therapies or, or head home.
0: You're expecting people to actually leave after this weekend, Chantel.
1: Oh, well, I'm kind of hoping they'll stay <laughs> and enjoy themselves. <laughs> no, but
0: the sounds of it, no one's going to want to go home. <laughs> now, the, the, wow. the other thing, where you are, the Sierra Ranch, from what I've read about it, it sounds like the most exquisite part of the Midlands.
1: It is really beautiful. I live very close by. So I can honestly say that it is absolutely gorgeous here. It's quite close to the meander. So partners who come along who are not really interested in doing yoga will have some other things to do.
0: Now, the other thing is you were mentioning sort of the program of what was going to be happening over the weekend it's a, a holistic wellness weekend so it's not just all That's about it. the walking and the, the, the massages and the yoga, it's the whole weekend is this holistic wellness thing so the meals That's are it. nutritious and as you said you're taking walks down to the river so that you're getting out in the fresh air and, and enjoying that part of, of, of the whole weekend as well so it's more than just coming to be pampered not like you're going off to a spa for example
1: Not quite, no, the spa No, it's, 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 it is an interactive thing you know, people will be walking doing the yoga doing the relaxation and yes be supported by good nutrition by by the place itself i mean there's nothing more relaxing than actually just getting out into nature having a little time to and space to be yourself you know put your feet up read a book do something that takes away all the day-to-day worries you know all that Work and busyness and day-to-day schedules that I think everyone is already quite
0: tired of. Well, just reading a little bit about your background, uh, Chantelle. I mean, I was reading something about when you went back to the big city, you had to pull over to the side of the road and hyperventilate into a paper bag. <laughs> I mean, you live yeah. in the Midlands now. We're living with that, you know, having to drive down the freeways every day. We can't. We don't have the luxury of stopping to hyperventilate. Um, so yeah. maybe we should come and have this weekend. But I, c- I can understand coming from the big city, going off to this magnificent place where you are now living. And, I mean, it is just the ideal place for a weekend like this because you literally just get rid of all the stress of the big city life because that is, even so close into the start of the year, we are all already stressed.
1: Yes, yeah. The the whole idea is to let go of some of that and revive yourself, refresh yourself, come out to the Midlands, have a beautiful place around you, do some beautiful things, eat some beautiful food, and go back feeling like a million bucks, even though you've only spent a couple of days you'll feel like, oh, wow, you know, a nice break, a nice refresh break. Is
0: this the first time you've done something like this?
1: It's the first time I've done this retreat, yes. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we'll do some more. Um, I've done some, obviously, on my own with... Um, my teachers, yoga teachers and things like that and I, I must say, I just love it. I mean, I could quite happily, for weeks on end, do nothing but walk around in the felt and have someone make meals for me and do <laughs> yoga. <laughs> sounds It sounds like heaven to me. Right, so to most it sounds of us. like heaven to a few other people as well. <laughs> now, quite
0: a lot of it is focused on the yoga and that kind of, of, of exercise as well. But now, yes. how, how sort of efficient or proficient should we be if we're coming along? I mean, do we need to have at least the basic understanding of yoga or can we come along as complete newbies?
1: No, you can come along as complete newbies. The wonderful thing about yoga is that each exercise, each asana, each posture can be cranked up for those who really want to take it a little further or toned down for someone who's just starting. And I would assume, you know, working with a, a group of people, I would explain everything you know, bit by bit as we go along, just for people also who've never done it before. So it would be fine, even if you've never done it before, to come along and experience it and see if you like it.
0: And the Sierra Ranch, what exactly do they do when they're not hosting these fabulous weekend getaway yoga retreats?
1: They are a family um, hotel. Um, they've been going for quite a long time. They do conferences as well. Um, very popular during the holidays for kids and families and you know there's the pool and the walks and quad biking and all sorts of other fun things that people can do so yeah (laughs) this is a new new venture for them into this this idea as well into a yoga retreat into a a wellness um aspect
0: how many people can you take on the retreat Chantelle do you have a limit Uh,
1: um I think there are 150 basis uh, at the hotel itself. I'm not sure how many bookings we already have. Um, I haven't actually spoken to them recently. I know she's been uh, busy with some other conference, so recently so i'm not really sure how many spaces are still left (laughs) it would be a good idea to phone Uh, paula
0: about that it would be good yes i mean people phoning up tomorrow and think oh actually no we're full um but just get if you're wanting to go i'd suggest you give them a call i'll give you all the contact details in a moment but i would suggest if you want to go you can call paula at the sierra ranch and i'll give you the number shortly just to make sure that there's a place for you if you'd like to go and recharge your batteries what are we looking at cost wise for and does this include everything what is the cost
1: the cost is actually un- unbelievable. It's um, 1650 per person, including that. So that's all meals, all the yoga sessions, teas, snacks, the whole nine yards. The only thing that you would have to pay for over and above that are, are whatever treatments you would like.
0: And do the treatments, for example, if there's 150 potential people coming along, would people need to book the treatments prior to pitching up there, or can you do it once you get there? How is that going to work?
1: Um, a little bit of both. We we would prefer people to book their treatments before they come. Um, but yes, I think that the, the the therapists are fairly flexible and they have said that they would be available if there's a lot of demand for for massage or whatever, they they are prepared to be there and work in around in and around everybody's other schedules so that everybody gets what they what they want. So
0: there's all, as you mentioned, there's beauty treatments, there's kinesiology, there's reflexology, Reiki, energy healing and massage, body alignment. I mean, gosh, there's a lot. And there are all lot, the therapists yeah. are going to be there to do that. And you are the yoga teacher. You're going to be do- dealing it. with all the yoga classes that are going to happen.
1: I'll be doing the yoga classes, yes. And the relaxation, a bit of meditation.
0: Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I'm I starting listening to this. I seriously don't think anyone's going to actually leave on the Sunday. You are aware of that. <laughs>
1: Well, that'll
0: be fun. We'll just extend it. <laughs> now, just one other request. You're going to have to bring this to Cape Town because we can't, it's too far for us to come up there for the weekend.
1: That so. oh, sounds like a good plan, Karen. Well, you, that sounds like a lot of fun. You're going to have
0: to come to Cape Town and do one of these weekends down here because we, we even though we live in Cape Town, everyone thinks we're all chilled all the time. We also do get stressed down here, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> just, just by
0: the way, you know, in case you were wondering. Well, Chantelle, it sounds like an amazingly relaxing weekend. As I said, I was, I was starting to relax just reading about it. So I hope you have a wonderful time and hopefully it's the first of many uh, and that you can possibly move around the country and come and sort of introduce the rest of us around the country to these wonderfully relaxing weekends. But I hope you have a full sort of complement of, of guests and that it's a huge success. And thank you very much for your time and for joining me on the show this evening. Thank you so much, Kareem. Sounds absolutely wonderful. That was Chantelle Thorne, and she's a Yoga Alliance certified instructor. If you'd like to find out more about this amazing weekend, or if you'd like to book for any of the therapies or whatever you want to do that weekend, you can call Paula at Sierra Ranch, and the number there is 033-263-1073. 033-263-1073. Or she has a cell. It's 84 084- 263 Two zero seven three nine zero seven oh eight four two zero seven three nine zero seven, and you can also email her on info Sierra Ranch at telcomsa.net dot or take a look at the website. It's www.sierraranch.co.za. And don't forget, for any of these contact details that you hear on the show, just have a look at the Facebook page a little later. All the information will be on there, and that is Health Matters on SAFM,
1: or email me at healthmatters at safm.co.za.